Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Claire Foy returns with two new films, My Son and The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. Hey guys, Josh Horowitz here with another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused with a returning guest, one of my favorites. I know I say that like every episode, but this time, the other times I've been lying, this time it's true. Uh, no, kidding. I love them all. But Claire Foy is one of my favorites. She was on the podcast a few years back with uh, Matt Smith for a truly memorable, bizarre conversation. If you have not listened to that, it's one of my favorites. And according to you guys, it's actually one of your favorites too. So if you haven't had the pleasure of the Matt Smith Claire Foy uh, chat, go into the archives, look it up. It's a few years back, but um, it's a uh, unique conversation at the end of a long press run for The Crown. I think I got them at just the right time. Um, but any time is good with Claire. Claire is just the best. I've got just such love for her. Uh, not to mention she's also like one of the best actors on the planet. So she's got two new projects we should mention. Um, one of them is My Son. And if you don't know about this, this is a fascinating, fascinating project. Um, it's an improvised film. There is no like real script. There's a story in place. There are characters in place. Um, Claire knows the story. Every actor knows kind of the story, the bones of the story, except for the man at the center of it all, James McAvoy. So he has to kind of basically improvise his way through a thriller of sorts. Um, fascinating production, intriguing actors, um, just doing uh, fascinating work given the circumstances. So My Son is available right now here in the States on Peacock, well worth checking out. Um, and then Claire is also starring opposite Mr. Benedict Cumberbatch, one of our favorites in The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne, which is a, a true story. Louis Wayne is an, was an artist who specialized with, uh, of, of um, depictions of cats. <laughs> and um, as you might imagine from that description, was kind of an odd guy, uh, surrounded by kind of odd people. But, uh, you know, he had many sisters in his life. He had a, a love of his life played by Claire. And that's kind of what the story is about. It's kind of like odd people finding each other. It's both sweet and sad. Um, it's kind of um, has a really a, a great artistic flair to it from the director, a young director. Um, and at the, at the bottom line, you've got Benedict Cumberbatch and Claire Foy. So that is coming out in theaters here in the States October 22nd. And then it's going to be available on Amazon Prime November 5th, The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. So... Um, that is what Claire and I were chatting about, among many other things. We also talk about her comfort movie, uh, a classic romantic comedy, and why she likes romantic comedies. Um, but, you know, if, you, if you've ever seen Claire in an interview, heard her in an interview, I don't need to sell it. She's just, just, just one of the best. Just easy to talk to, fun, has a great sense of humor, self-deprecating, all the things I like. Um, so, yes, that's the main event on today's Happy, Sad, Confused. Other stuff I want to mention... Um, I got a chance to see some of you folks out and about in the real world. That was awesome. Okay, so I went to New York Comic Con. Didn't do a ton of things, but I did go to the Ghostbusters panel that turned into a surprise screening. I knew it was going to be a screening. They, they told us, but whatever. I uh, got a chance to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. More to come on that on the podcast and on a future episode. There's a tease for you. Uh, then I did a little panel where I was uh, on with some of my Critics' Choice uh, friends and family. Um, and I was, had a chance to see a bunch of you after the panel. You were kind enough to come and say hi, take some photos. Um, so that was really fun. And it was just cool to be in the live Comic-Con environment. I mean, I love that stuff. I love New York Comic-Con. I love San Diego Comic-Con. And it was really cool to be out and about. Hopefully, you know, I kind of, I think I felt safe. Sure, we're all safe-ish. Everyone was vaccinated. Everybody was masked. Um, so... You know, as I, as I said to somebody, like, I'm just, you know, all the more appreciative of those moments. I always was, but, you know, certainly um, that 18-month uh, gap of live events really made this one all the more special. So that was, that was thrilling. Um, let's see, other things to mention. I've been teasing some Sam Hewen stuff coming soon. I'm going to continue to tease that. I can't say more, but uh, stay tuned, Sam Hewen stuff. Uh, keep keep your eyes out for that. Go to patreon.com slash happy, sad, confused. All the info on that and other things will be there. There's a new game night that we're taping this week. Really exciting. Some really cool... Um, yeah, I don't want to say too much, but a cool assemblage of folks that I, I've been working on for a while uh, getting together. So new game night episodes, 
new video versions of the podcast, including this episode. If you want to watch me and Claire Foy, go to patreon.com slash happy, sad, confused. If you haven't checked out, we mentioned James McAvoy earlier in the film My Son with Claire, did an episode for my Comedy Central show with James, uh, played a bunch of silly games. He was fantastic. He's always a madman with me. Um, That is up on Comedy Central's YouTube page. Check it out. Um, That is while we're checking out. What else can I mention? (laughs) Lots of big movies coming. Lots of big stars we love. What can I tease? What can I tease? I think that's enough. That's enough teasing for now. The podcast is overbooked up the wazoo for the next few weeks into the next couple months. We're getting into like a really cool time of year where it's some great movies, some great guests. So I couldn't be more excited. And um, yeah, let's just shove off. Let's get right into it with Claire Foy. Uh, one of Happy Second Fused's uh, elite VIP members. Um, enjoy this chat. Remember to check out My Son on Peacock, The Electrical Life of, of Louis Wayne, coming soon on Amazon Prime and in theaters October 22nd. And I feel like I'm talking too fast. I'm going to go lie down. Enjoy this chat with me and Claire Foy. It's on the record, Claire Foy and I at least in the top 20 percentile of my favorite guests uh, on Happy Sad Confused. Wow. <laughs> 20%? Wow. 20 to 25. No, you are the creme oh, de la creme. Stop 25. it. Stop it. You know I love you. Gosh, that's um, it's that's so, <laughs> It's um, beyond words. Uh, wonderful to see you. As you know, we're doing a three-hour deep dive into the 10th anniversary of Season of the Witch today, so thank you for agreeing <laughs> to that. Thank God. Oh. I have a drinking game for me oh, that I always man. have to bring up se- Season of the Witch for you. That's just like, uh, it's contractually part of my deal. Sorry. I'm so glad that someone has watched it, one. Um, uh, two remembers it. And three is also acknowledging. It's not. It's more than 10 years, actually. You're wrong. It's well, got to be like pre- 13 years. That's not true. I did the math. It premiered in like January of 2011. Again, as we were saying before we started, time has no meaning anymore. Trust me on this. I shot it. I, I shot it in 2008. So yeah. Okay. In my head. They they, they took head. some time in the edit to craft the brilliance. Oh, yeah. Um, they did a couple of reshoots as well, which you never would guess. When <laughs> Brett Ratner, as I understand it. The, um, the, uh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So are you are you home? Am I catching you in your abode? I I'm in London, yeah. This is not my official abode. This is my temporary abode. Okay. I'm renovating my abode. Got it. Which is a great thing to do in Brexit and COVID. It's really wise. Um, but yes, I'm surrounded by my possessions in That's a rented good. accommodation. As, as you, as you are you have, in your abode? I'm in my abode. Uh, I know it looks behind me like I work, like I live in the. I like those windows. Nah, it looks like the dingiest part of New York. I trust me. I actually live in a decent part of town, but uh, it's uh, yeah. Is that like a hall? Is that like a stairwell, or is that? Can you see into people's apartments? It, it's just a green screen. It's for character. No, oh, I, is I, that? Okay. I, yeah, it's it's rear window style. I I'm, I'm Raymond I Burr. I'm a. Uh, yeah. I'd just be looking in all the time. Um, <laughs> well, I, the, the, the first time we had the extended chat was in my uh, office, of course. Um, mm-hmm. You and Matt, and Matt was preoccupied with my nerdy, nerdy crap. So I, um, I haven't been there in a year and a half. I, I like to imagine, by the way, that there is. I don't know if you remember that crazy photo I have of you of that insane face you made. I have that in a frame in my office. I like to imagine that there is like moss growing on it. Yeah, like, like Day of the Triffids. Exactly. It's taking it back. Exactly. Mother Na- Nature is reclaiming your office. It's nature's time now. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so the, the, the playing field is now even. You're in an abode of some sort. I'm in my abode. Um, catch me up a little bit. Uh, it's obviously been an eventful couple years for all of us, um, <laughs> to say the least. Um, yeah. You've been shooting some stuff. Did was there like where were you at? Okay. Well, actually, here's what I remember. I remember when this all the shit went down. I was getting excited because mm-hmm. I was going to hopefully see you and Matt take lungs to Brooklyn. Do I have that rem- yeah. right? Yeah, it, we were supposed to fly. We were like, we were like two weeks out from flying over and I'd already said it wasn't happening in my head. I'd, and I was saying to everyone, I'd like, I think this is serious guys, but everyone was sort of keeping on pretending it was happening right. for, for a really like until like three days before we were supposed to fly. And then they were like, no, the whole of Broadway shut down. And then it was that weird thing, wasn't it? Where it was like, 
we're planning to, when it comes back in May, we're planning for when it comes back in September, we're planning for when it comes back in January. And it's just heartbreaking. Um, but, but yeah, very glad that I had stayed here and didn't, yeah, I wasn't out there and had to, having to try and get back because it was such a kind of unknown, wasn't it, at that time about what was going to happen. Was, was, so was, was there a period of time of just kind of shock and like, okay, I'm going to lay low until I figure out some semblance of a plan or was there an impulse to like try and find some semblance of work to distract yourself from the insanity? Like how, how much downtime was there versus when you started to do some work again? Well, I mean, I hadn't really done anything. I'd done a play and I'd um, uh, shot Louis Wayne actually and like done press for stuff, but I hadn't really done anything that I had thought was like completely all-consuming or like in my head something that wasn't just fun and nice to do like um for about two for about two years like I hadn't done anything really um and so I was sort of like like ready to crawl out from under my rock and be like here I am <laughs> ready to start work again <laughs> is oh, the world ready for pandemic. me oh global pandemic I guess the world <laughs> yeah. is <isn't> ready for me. <laughs> so there was a bit of me that was just like a lot I was a bit like oh, oh. um but no, I think uh, I think I'm quite good at accepting the reality that I'm in, really. And there was something really um, when it was less scary, when it started to get less scary, and the numbers of people dying were coming down, and it was, you know, it was like a few months in. It was like the most beautiful summer here in England, and life just got very simple, didn't it? It just was really, really simple. I was really lucky because in the UK we were allowed to go out for walks and things like that, and so. It, there was something really reassuring about someone just going, you have no choice at all. But you have barely have choice in what you can eat. Um, so you have to do this and just shut up. And that was something I think that quite a lot of people probably needed was no choice anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, but then I did have, you know, like there, cause there was this amazing thing. That, um, one of the most amazing things about this industry, that there was this amazing kind of resurgence of like talking to people in meetings and discussing things with people because it was so easy to all of a sudden because everybody was at home and was able to sit in an hour or an hour and a half at some point to speak to someone who was in LA or New York or London or whatever on Zoom. So I spoke to people that I've wanted to speak to for years or discuss things and actually found stuff that I was really like, I was so excited by and and that I hadn't felt like that for a, quite a while. Are you talking about like kind of like filmmakers or co potential collaborators that you just like had had been on the list to kind of like try to meet up with? And it's like now, yeah, for me, it, I, 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 um, to make it uh, about me, of course, as I always have to, it's like, it was like, oh, yeah. this is a, this is a really easy time to book things on, a, on the plus side. Nobody has an excuse. <laughs> if Claire, exactly if Claire says say. no to me, that just means she hates me, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but also, yeah, and oh, everyone's just desperate for interaction with, different people I think yeah um yeah yeah and so that was it was it was really amazing and also I was really sort of there was a terrifying moment of thinking you know film sets are and theatre I think the thing that theatre was the thing that worried me the most because sure. that was the thing I just finished doing it was like really terrifying so I did a me and Matt did the play but like virtually which so was how, really sad. How did that work? Were you guys to, you guys were together, but it was it was it was virtually for the audience. Like if you were in the same space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we had to be two meters apart from each other at all times, with like a like basically a stick between us all the time. A metaphorical stick, <laughs> not an actual stick. I hope. Yeah. No, it was there was sometimes an actual broom handle. Like I'm not joking. <laughs> between us, the the amazing um, uh, stage manager, which was because like no one had done it that was it was the first kind of virtual play and no one had done it before so it was like we could really ruin this for everybody if we go anywhere near anyone else but then it meant it was slightly strange because we would like you'd finish doing the show one without any audience at all so it was just into a vacuum of your own voice coming back at you and just going oh I hate myself and then you'd finish the play and we couldn't even hug each other or have a drink so we'd just be like okay yeah you just kind of awkwardly walk to your corner yeah like yeah and like <laughs> Matt dies at the end of the play not to give it away um <laughs> but like it was really like okay no that's fascinating really there's there's so much of theater is the ritual of it right it's mm -hmm. the it's everything that goes before and after is just like in your bones like this it must have felt alien in, in many ways yeah yeah, it was, and also because we did it in this space, we did it in a theatre that we'd originally done it in. 
Right. So we were doing it. It wasn't a rehearsal because some really impressive and very famous people ended up watching. It was really bizarre what ended up happening but because there was nothing on anywhere. <laughs> like, you know, very impressive people watched it, which yeah. was really hard to get my head around. But they, we were like, knew they were watching it, but still it was like, can't have the energy to they're not here are they <laughs> who, who was uh, for, give me an example who did you know that was checking it out steven spielberg watched it <laughs> isn't that hilarious did you know before or after or what i knew matt didn't want to know i was like <laughs> it might help <laughs> you drop some like et references into the show be like by the way favorite movie ever yeah just that yeah yeah, no, just I mean, but that's just very bizarre because it's I don't know, just very bizarre that you were in a little theater in London doing this very strange thing that made us quite depressed, and that, but people were watching it like millions of miles away. It's very strange. So, so obvi obviously, uh, uh, I've experienced what it's like to chat with both you and Matt together, which is utter insanity. I'm, I, I, there must be a different, <laughs> must be a two different modes, I'm guessing, from the amount of times you've collaborated together and created great work. There must be a time and a place where you guys are professional enough to know to switch it off. I guess just give me a sense, like back on The Crown, was it like, okay, time to get to work? Or what, were you both kind of easily distracted or to amusing your each other too much like how tough is it to get shit no, done when I you're mean, working with Matt we were when we saw you we were very you know we were at the you were punch drunk of, a little bit yeah 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 because you were there um and also because we weren't working and that I think if we're given free reign and we were just fanning around we'd be it would be a real problem but basically what would happen when we were working together is especially when we're on the crown we a conversation would begin we'd so I to do the scene and then the conversation would start again. As as <laughs> but also, you know, we were miserable, miserable people, miserable gifts. All we did was moan. It's like, I, I will say this as Matt and I think it's true of myself also, but I think he probably brings it out in me more. Like love and moan. But they do say that that's what you call, you know, like you call a group of crows, like a murder of crows and, right. you know, a pod of dolphins. And it, there is a joke that it's a moan of actors because that's basically what we do. We all sit together and go, even though we're incredibly privileged and very lucky to be here sure. and being paid, we're going to complain about Find anything, anything. So, anything, yeah. yeah. Maybe this is up. the secret why, why I, I, I'm decent at my job. I, I, I like to moan myself, even if I'm not a professional. I, uh... oh. <laughs> so I really talk... wanted to not moan, but, you know, still, it still comes out of me every time. Let's spread the good word on a couple of your exciting new projects, both of which I've checked out. First up, uh, I actually had caught up with both of your, your gentlemen co-stars recently, uh, the madman that is James okay. McAvoy. Uh, oh. Always love McAvoy. I know you guys go way back. Uh, this new mm -hmm. film is insane. Like it just in, I mean, we'll explain why. It's insane. It's called, it's called My Son. But first, give me a sense. Yeah. I know you and James worked on do I call it the Scottish play? Am I allowed to say? What, where, oh, where do you no, stand on it? Macbeth. Macbeth. Yeah, it's very Harry Potter. That I've been listening to a lot of Harry Potter audiobooks, not of my own choice. But um, oh, for, for Hermione very yeah. wisely says, yeah. "Fear of a thing only increases fear of something itself, or whatever." Aww. And that's what I feel about Macbeth. I'm like, come on, I'm quoting <laughs> Harry Potter. I love that's it. how culturally <laughs> starved I. <laughs> you <laughs> could do I worse. Love it, you... no... Yeah, oh, yeah, my yeah. Gosh. Oh my god, uh, I love him. So was that the first time you and, and James collaborated on Macbeth? And what did, uh, did you guys click immediately? What do you remember that of that experience? So this was we on knew 2013, I think, right? Around then. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is on stage. So we knew each other because we had, we knew people in common. Um, and yeah. And so we sort of knew each other. And then when Macbeth came along, um, it was really, uh, I remember it very clearly. It was just before Christmas. And I hadn't worked for a while and I was really like, I didn't want to do anything shit. I want to do something good. <laughs> and I didn't want to do any more TV. I just want, I want to do some theatre, blah, blah, blah. And so I'd waited quite a while. And then Jamie Lloyd, who directed it, was like, I just, is a hero anyway. He's such an extraordinary director. Um, and actually Serrano, that James did, which is amazing. We're supposed oh, to come yeah. to New York as well. So if you ever do get a chance to see it, go and see that because it's, he's, he's, and so annoying, <laughs> so good. 
He is so good. It's painful to watch him. He's so good. Um, yeah, anyway, so I love Jamie Lloyd. And then I heard James was in it. And it was at best. It was going to be Scottish. And it was just one of those ones where I was like, well, it's just why am I even bothering? And so then I went and, and then I got it. And it felt like I was like, oh, my God. Like, it felt so important, like, so important to me. It was like a, like a real moment in my career. And then I did it when James is just, you know, like, you know him, like, he's just so down to earth and, you know, staunchly normal and, um, but just so, like, really, like, incredibly talented. Yeah. Um, and doing the play with him was just amazing because he creates such an energy as well and he's such a good laugh. He's so good on a night out and just... He's just—he's just a legend. I do think he's a legend. I from, a, a thousand yeah. percent agree, and he's excellent in this. As are you. So this let's give him a sense of this very unusual kind of undertaking. This is—I mm. mean, you'll be better able to explain than me. This is James doesn't know the story. He knows—he knows some broad strokes of his character. Um, mm-hmm. you, so what do you get? Is how much is your of your part is scripted? How much can it be scripted? This is a partially improvised film that's been done before in different languages I believe or different countries yeah in French yeah 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 so I had the same director so Christian who who directed the French version um directed this version as well and I'll tell you something my part was very difficult because (laughs) I I knew the story so all of us who knew it had a week's rehearsal before James came along where we all rehearsed with this lovely guy who was standing in for James to get an idea of where the camera would go so that there was no setup time and that James basically walked into the scene and was ready to go and the camera's in position. But then it's like, well, you just have to hope that he does. And I know him and I was like, this could go either way with that guy. He could either be like completely silent and watchful and want to know what's going on or he's going to come in a hundred miles an hour and ask every single question and demand of me answers that I will go, I'm sorry, James McElroy, I am... I don't know because improvising scares me and so that hence why I really wanted to do it actually because I just was like what a terrifying proposition um and so we Christian gave a vague outline of what the story was and what things he needed me to say but then he was very much like and then you'll do it I was like okay (laughs) and so it was terrifying because I thought what if he just goes off piece and I've got to rein him back in and also it's very difficult because you've got to give I'm the only person who can give plot points and I've got to give plot points to the audience but also for him right um and he's got to go over there I've got to tell him to go over there and I don't know how I'm going to tell him to go over there in a natural <laughs> non-weird way like <laughs> they want you to go over there um so it was really oh. odd and also because I knew him I just and our kids go to the same school so I was like I can't see him because if I see him I'm going to tell him what happens <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to like I'm that person I once ruined someone's surprise birthday party in Venice by saying enjoy Venice <laughs> so I was like I can't, I, I'm like the worst possible person to his job so I just basically ignored him and he thought he was like what's happened to my mate right, <laughs> why right. she be so mean <laughs> um what a yeah, fascinating challenge yeah yeah well I would yeah. think also from an acting perspective like those kind of I mean, that's an exceedingly rare <laughs> experience um, th- that shakes it up in the best possible way. Like I think of something in a different way. I think of your shoot with um, Soderbergh um, on mm. Insane, which was, I think, infamously a very short shoot. It was on the iPhone. Like, does the method, does like, does, is that often or sometimes as part, uh, as much part of the allure as anything, kind of the methodology of? Oh, yeah. Anything that is, anything that is, um just different like the last thing I want to do is become jaded and like all just be like predictable um and when you do find that creeping in I just it takes all the magic away from it and I just wanted to always be feel magical and exciting and it's you know you don't get that on every job obviously but when the opportunities do come along you've got to take them and that's why with this job I was like this is so scary and it's so I could be so awful in this but it's not really, it was, an innocent, but I wasn't really doing it for anything other than basically the experience. And I think that James feels that as well. Like basically sure. James was saying, you know, have you heard of you, me, bum, bum train? No, <laughs> that has not come up in my conversations with him yet. 
I knew that you would like that work. But you me bum bum trains so it's immersive theatre experience in London where you oh. pay to basically be taken on this journey. And James is like, I would pay money to do this. He loves it. He's like, what's happening? What's going on? Oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling. Like he he loves it. Oh, sure. There's like um, Sleep No More. Do you know that one? That's like here in New York. These like yeah. interactive theater experiences. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, like the, the, the other film we, we, we definitely mentioned, which is a, a very unique special piece of work, I think. I'm sure you'll agree, is Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. Um, yeah. I, uh, it's you and Benedict Cumberbatch. Again, we're going to just disgustingly be effusive about another co-star of yours, I'm sure. <laughs> I've also worked with before. I, like, right. I, I mean, apparently there's no one else. <laughs> <laughs> you've, got like, you've got like four dudes you just rotate between, basically. <laughs> I need to make that up, man. Um, this is a very particular, specific, sweet, odd piece of work, though. It's kind of like about these kind of damaged misfits that somehow kind of find each other. And it's it's in its very own specific key. I was talking to Benedict the other night when I ran to him at the New York Film Festival. He was effusive about you and the director. Thinks there's like mm -hmm. huge, huge, a huge future for Will, uh, Will Sharp. Talk to me about a little bit what makes this one obviously not my son unique, but unique in, in other different distinct ways. I think it was really unique because it was Ben's production company. So it was Sunny March who were producing it. And Adam and Leah, who are part of that, they're just amazing. I love their company. I think they're amazing. And they've got such good taste and they're so exciting. Um, and so it was unique because the last time I'd worked with Ben was on this tiny independent film, which, you know, was good and bad um and uh we just sort of had this hilarious very odd time on it um and I was stepping into someone's shoes basically it was very very short notice someone pulled out and I was like Ben like text me I was like, Ooh. I was like okay I'm not doing anything <laughs> He's like going through the Rolodex of like top five um and then I spoke to Will me and Will have this really weird thing where when I read the script and I'd seen flowers and thought it was extraordinary, but I was like, I don't get it. Like to me, this doesn't read, this reads like a period drama. Am I an idiot? He was like, yes, you are. Um, because it's not, because I'm directing it. And I was like, okay, sure. But I think I, I was quite fearful of it, of that sort of, you know, biopic period drama sort of thing that I didn't, get it and right. then I stepped on the set and I went oh no hang on and actually we did it we did a week rehearsal before and um I suddenly went oh I, I'm an idiot I'm I yeah I'm an idiot um well you should know from the first the first line of your character is oh for fuck's sake that's the you're you're, you're, you're you're ready that's that's all Claire needs that's that should be the opening line of every character you ever play I know it's great I was in a wardrobe <laughs> I just I loved it I'm wearing funny little glasses and an orange wig. Um, yeah, so it, but basically from the off, it was completely unique. Yeah. And I think that's what Will's made and who he is as a filmmaker is everything's so eccentric and sort of kind, weirdly. There's something really kind about the way he makes his films that feels so appreciative of the, of, filmmaking and it's they're so beautiful the shots he was so beautiful and yeah um I absolutely loved working with him and yeah him and Ben together and I just I yeah it was just a re like really joyous even though it's sad obviously like it was a really joyous lovely thing to do because yeah it was about two basically you know weirdos who um pretty much most of us really yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> can't, can't relate at all don't worry uh, <laughs> yeah are you a cat or dog person Claire or neither No wrong answers here. I, I feel to, like, yeah. yeah, I have to get a dog, so I'm gonna go dog, but neither to be honest. I'm not an animal person. I, I mean, I, I, I like them, I like looking at them, I appreciate them very much. Did you grow up with but, animals at all, or no, just not exposed, or just this is an active choice? I hate animals. No, I don't, don't use desperate <laughs> words in my mouth. I don't hate animals, I said I appreciate them from a distance. No, I love animals. It's just, I suppose, I, yes, I did. I grew up with small animals, I grew up with rabbits and guinea pigs all of whom died or i killed or like something traumatic happened an ambulance is coming just they're taking oh, you away because you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, hate animals. I don't hate animals i just 
I don't feel like I can say I'm an animal lover because oh. I don't think animals love me. Oh, well, here's what I would and say. that's okay. Claire, I was never a big animal person. In this last mm. year, my wife and I got a dog and I've become that which I mocked for decades and I am like the yeah. biggest so like just to say look you've you've you've, you've got a child to fill that that gap I suppose but like something in there child but animal it's not it's Tommy. not too late to discover that you're a secret dog lover or otherwise we don't know no, I do I do love them it's just I I do love them I just yeah but I have to get one anyway I promise my child that I'm that we're getting one so it's happening oh, wow. and I you know I just don't want to resent it you know, it's the whole poo thing isn't it it's the whole pick up its poo thing which I if I loved anything I will pick up its poo so that human or animal yeah that's no, fine I you, just, I better you pick up Matt Smith's poo I understand as I understand that he'll just poo anywhere you just I pick mean, it up yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't I mean do I love Matt enough to pick up his poo <laughs> what question what a question. And there is... Yes, I think I do. <gasps> oh, and wow. that, my friends, is a promo for a podcast. <laughs> Don't you dare. Um, oh, yeah, I will dare. So um, can we... Uh, okay, we have a bit more time. I'm curious, like, I'm curious about the, the time before the crown, after school, before the crown, um, mm-hmm. in your career, when you're doing some, some fine... Like, Macbeth is in that period... Little Dorrit was a big uh, 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 miniseries for you. Um, did you feel like you were on a very specific path or was that the period of life where you were kind of like, I'm, this is all exciting. I'm just trying shit out. And I mean, you were on a, I'm just surprised by this. You were on a pirate show, <laughs> John Malkovich on a network. Like, <laughs> no, listen, that was not a good time. Um, <laughs> in an alternate reality, Claire, you're on s- season seven of Crossbones right now, and we're talking. <laughs> no, I would have very quickly asked to be killed. Was I killed? What happened at the end of that? I don't know. I didn't know it existed until a couple of days ago, to be honest. So. Oh wow. Um, I no, I had absolutely no idea what was going on. I think I never particularly. There were moments when I found it really exciting. There were things that happened that I was like, "Wow, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is really amazing." But mainly when I first started, it was basically just fear and sort of a bit of like misunderstanding how to do that for a living and also live a life. Like I was very confused the whole time and found it quite difficult. Like I just, I just had normal jobs up until the age of 24, 23, 24. And then suddenly to be like, just spend six months not doing anything was really difficult. Like I was like, right. this is not okay. How, what am I going to do with my days? I have no purpose. Um, and I sort of was like, I, can't, I remember saying to my agent, can I get a job, just a normal job? And he was like, no, you need to be available. And I was like, so what am I going to do? What I now know now is what I probably should have done. I've done exercise and stuff and, you know, broadened my mind. But instead I just sort of sat there and ate jacket potatoes. Um, <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I think before The Crown, I think that was in the, work, the time where TV wasn't considered to be anywhere close to film. Like it... If you were acting in TV, then you didn't exist basically in a, in a whole entire genre. It was almost like you couldn't cross over from TV right. to film because that just didn't happen. Like, who did that? That never happened. And so I'd, I'd done films and I'd gone out for films and I'd done small parts in films and things like that, but it just, it was very clearly defined. And then I remember going up to The Crown and it being Netflix and this whole unknown thing. And just thinking, well, this is going to be a disaster, isn't it? I mean, who's going to watch this? And it's going to just sort of disappear into like nowhere. What is, and, and that, do you know what I mean? No one really knew what that was at that yeah. point. And it just, and so it was completely different. But I, yeah, I didn't, I'd always been surprised by the jobs that I got and the things that came my way. And that was probably the most amazing, is the most amazing thing about this. And it's different now because I don't audition like I, as much as I would, I would much prefer to audition for every job basically but for me it feels much more reassuring than right. just someone saying you do this because when you audition for stuff as well you can you give yourself a dry run at it and you sure. go or oh, I'm going to do my best with this one but I don't think this one's for me or you know you can work on it and you can figure out whereas now you sort of have to hit the ground running and just be like okay 
is well, they trust they're like, oh, Claire Foy, big time award winner. She knows how to do anything. We don't need to test her. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. No, <laughs> I me, that's I'm, I love, I'm a bit like, guys, if anything, I, I do, I think, you know, that does bother me. Um, so were you, were you, yeah. you referenced this, like, were you going up for, like, were you auditioning for Game of Thrones or to be the Bond girl or to be, you know, like, were you in that time, were you up for big things that almost happened? Or did you have near misses? You must've had one or two where you're like, oh, this is going to change my life. Um, uh, oh, I can see it. There's one, there's one bit. <laughs> no, no, no. I, so there are choices that I made, like Game of Thrones, for example, wasn't, um, I didn't want to go any further with that because of all sorts of things. Okay. Um, mainly the whole nudity situation. I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't want to, I'm pretty sure that's not happening. Um, Got it. Uh, but yeah, there were like, so, there is for everybody. There's so many things that, there were so many things that I would basically, it would be me, well, you get told it's you and someone else, but it could be you and like 25 other people, let's be honest. Right. Um, but th it would always be that thing where they go, it would be, they go for a name or that thing. And I think that's just what happens. And I never really, I have this weird mentality where I never really had trouble with saying goodbye to something. I never really held on to things. Um, and I think that's because the things that I really, truly, absolutely loved that I put everything into, I ended up getting, and I wouldn't have put that much into it unless I'd really, yeah, I don't know, been desperate for it. Um, but yeah, I never really, I never was really, there's probably loads of them, but none of them, that's the funny thing. If I'd have been in it, it wouldn't have been what it was. Right. And I think that even now there's things that I have done or haven't done. And I think if I'd have been in that, there's no way it would have been that good. Or... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It just it would never have lived the life that it did. And I just don't think you can hold on to any of those choices, really, Should until you're about 60 and you say, oh, I used to be. <laughs> exactly. I oh, look God, forward to those conversations in, in 20, 25 years when we can really oh, dig in. God. <laughs> so yeah. let's talk one of my favorite subjects, comfort movies. I've, I've dug into this mm -hmm. with, with people the last uh, year and a half. Um, I asked you for your comfort movie. You had it down yeah. to uh, Unfaithful and this one. I'm joking. I, I, I saw somewhere <laughs> that you were a fan of that film. I, would, I, I love would... Unfaithful. <laughs> no, hey, it's a great piece Not of work. Not my comfort film, though. You, know, you don't want to watch that on a radio afternoon. Say. <laughs> I was going to say. With your mum. <laughs> yeah, bring the kids over. No, your <laughs> yeah. comfort movie is an undeniable classic. Claire, tell us your comfort movie and in a nutshell, uh, why this stuck out for you. It's When Harry Met Sally, in a nutshell. And I'm amazed that no one else has picked it. I mean, that's shocking to me. It's like the epitome of a comfort film. I think I probably know every single word in it. I watched it from a very young age, which looking back now is probably not appropriate, but it's quite interesting because through different phases of my life, when I've watched it, it now means something. I now, like genuinely now, I'm like, oh, I get that line. <laughs> Yeah. Like yeah. when I was 17, I really didn't understand what that meant. Um, it's just, oh, it's just amazing. Anything with Meg Ryan in it is a comfort film. She's like a warm blanket and it's funny and it's clever and it's heartwarming and it's, you know, just erring on the edge of just would never happen, but <laughs> in real life, but that's always good. Um, and it's everything, it's the food they eat, it's the way they walk, it's the clothes they wear, it's how she drinks out of an Evian bottle, it's like her Rolodex thing where she's got all her things, like of the films in, it's everything. What, 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 well, has it, what has it taught you about love and relationships, uh, either as a child or coming back to it now? What's, what are the lessons to be gleaned, you think, from what Harry met Sally? Wow. There's some basic wow. truths that are in there. I mean, Nora Ephron, of course, we should mention oh. Rob Reiner directed, Nora Ephron wrote it. If you've been living under a rock the last 30 years, uh, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan and Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby, um, flawless. I think everybody should watch. I think if you're a human being, you have to watch that film. It should be like what you have to do in life as a thing because you don't get it until, oh. Um, what's it taught me? I don't know. 
his mate has a massive moustache. <laughs> I love his massive moustache. Um, I so what's the love? Um, I don't know because there's lots of gender stereotypes in there that would now probably not be that great. But I think with the conviction with which they do it, you know, Meg Ryan's like this completely neurotic, uh, sort of weirdly not passionate woman, although she obviously is, and then. Billy Crystal's like just going shagging around, making women meow and stuff like that. And it just, there's that sort of side of it. But Wait, you're making I the case against, it. you're convincing yourself no. you don't love it. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I can never do that. Um, but it's, I suppose that they row in it and they shout at each other. And the thing that I love about it is that they, he very clearly has this idea of a woman he will fall in love with and a woman he will be with and a woman that. And so does she, and ultimately in the end, then friends, and that's basically what means that they love each other. They love each other, and that's more important than a lot of things. If you, yeah, if you find someone that you love like that and you think they're brilliant, then you're all right. There, there are so many iconic scenes in it. Um, I, I guess the one that just will be played until the end of time is the uh, the scene in Katz's uh, with her simulating an orgasm, which, you know, yes. there's a lot of war around the scene. If you don't know it, uh, I'm sure you do. I think it's Rob Reiner's uh, mom that delivers the amazing line at the end of the scene. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> Brilliance. So good. I also didn't realize when I was reading up on it that apparently it wasn't scripted that way, like that she would actually simulate it, that she was going to talk about it, but it was Meg's idea Meg to actually. It. Just love that Meg. Imagine being called Meg. Hi, what's your name? Meg. You've got such a girl crush on Meg. Oh my God, I love her so much. I love her so much. It's the way she walks, everything she dresses, like in French Kiss. Oh, I just want to be her. Um, French Kiss, that's a good, it's a deep cut. Kevin Klein, love the Kevin Klein, come on. Oh, he's always carrying around the little vine. He's <laughs> always got the little vine. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah. yeah would, you, I, would, would you have felt like, uh, imagine yourself in that situation. You've gone to extreme mm. lengths. Would you, would you have gone there? Would you have felt comfortable going there? Um, I don't know whether I think, I, I think what she did there was a very, very big move for women by just sort of going, do me a favor. Do me a favor. You don't understand anything that we're doing or saying at any point because you've never listened or care or even been bothered to. Um, so I think what, her choice was just extraordinary. Um, but also, I think that, that what Harry Met Sally marks for me as well is like the beginning and basically probably a good like six years of rom com where they weren't self like um, referencing. It wasn't like its own genre. Basically, it was genuine. Right. You know, even the way that the lady delivers the line, I have what she's having. She wasn't delivering it to be a cliche, but now it feels like the rom-com is gone. Like it has died because we're too cynical or, or also too outward looking in. We can't be genuine in that moment. You know, it, it's really bizarre. No, you're right. As, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking about it. Like it finds a really nice kind of like narrow lane between like the hyper real and 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 the very like kind of like true to life like i mean it's a very new york film obviously uh, me growing up in new york and when i see that yeah. that movie i see my new york even if it's a little bit like you know softer focus a little bit but it's not like so far removed it it it, it, it traffics in real human emotion and real and real truths yeah. to, to relationships even if it is a, a very like Hollywood yeah. movie so it, it really finds that great balance um mm. it's what Sex and the City did really well which was the fact that you still you still emotionally engaged with it and actually I, I take that back because did you see is it Love Life is it Love Life I haven't Anna seen it. In it yeah yeah that was like the first thing that I feel like I've seen that I've gone I believe it I don't feel like it's like making it's trying to be a genre right it's you know it just is what it is and it's okay like when at what point people falling in love became like a something that people don't want to watch right. all i want to watch basically <laughs> all the time and it's all anyone ever cares about ever when you're what yeah. i mean apart from obviously like you know star wars um but it's all you ever want to see isn't it you're just like oh when are they coming back on screen again so i can just sit there and bask in the glow of them fancy each other just yeah. love it yeah. love it 
So uh, as we wrap up, what have you been, so you like Love Life, anything else you've been watching, you've been reading or listening to audio, have you been reading your daughter, the Harry Potter books, or you let the audiobooks do the, do the work for you? We need Stephen Fry to do it. <laughs> yeah. He's much better than I am. Oh, you could do all the voices. Um, you would be excellent. Oh, I do love doing all the voices. Um, yeah, we leave him to do it. Although that's one of the greatest regrets of my professional life that I will never be in a Harry Potter film because they've already been made. <laughs> <laughs> just you, anything, was it, I just would have loved was it one. not the right time like that that like were you you were never up for for a potter no I don't no I once went up for a part to play Daniel Craig's not Daniel Craig Daniel Craig <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Craig's Daniel mom Craig, this is this is what's wrong with Hollywood <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe's sister sister but I didn't get that part oh. um and also I don't think that film ever happened um no, I've been reading this. You can't read that because it's back with Shuggy Bane. Shuggy Bane, I don't know that. You, it's amazing. It's really? a, it just won the a book prize. Amazing. Um, well, normal people I watched about 4,000 times, hence the people were falling in love in it. Yep. That's all I want to watch. Um, what else? Did, did I you do watch? any binges? Did you do any? Did you go back and like fill in any gaps? In a very dark um when then you know when there was nothing I'm, I'm not very good anyway with keeping up with all this because there's so much to watch I'm just not very good at it but um when it was like awards season time um I watched I think from series one to I think possibly six of ER <laughs> wow that's a lot of Which episodes is, it's a lot of episodes I had a lot of time I was knitting whilst also watching ER um and that was more of a sort of memory exercise um, in a way. Does it hold Very up? I, have, I mean, that. I watched it all at the time, but uh, yeah. Right. Some bits do, like some really do hold up. And also the episodes where they sort of went a bit artsy and they did like, it was all like one take, like oh, one yeah. shot. Oh, or didn't they do live episodes? I feel like they did. Yeah. 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 And there were things that they did, which you've seen have completely episodic television, like that idea. They just invented it basically. But right. each one was in its own little storyline, but it, you know, but when um, uh, it was all about, what are they called? George Clooney's character. Yeah, Ross. And, Doug Ross. Yeah, Doug Ross and Nurse Hathaway. Joanna Margulies. Oh. Yeah, that was, oh, what a beauty. Like, that was, you know, the dream. Because they were falling in love again. Um, <laughs> Claire Foy, romantic. <laughs> we, we've discovered <laughs> the ultimate romantic. <laughs> I'm li if a film literally doesn't have any romance in it, I'm like, what? Why am I here? What's the point? I'm very discerning. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then some bits of VR, I was a bit like, oh boy. Um, but what I did, yeah, I, yeah, I, what I really loved about it was that, you know, it was a very diverse cast. Like it was really, you know, it's set in Chicago, isn't it? Chicago? Yep. yep. The cold one. Yeah. So it's really, it was really amazing to see that like 20, however many years ago it was, they were sort of on it. Yeah, Eric, um, Eric LaSalle is as strong as any performer oh, in that show. Great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a, I, I became slightly obsessed with it because when, what's his name, got a brain tumor. Oh, oh Anthony Edwards' character, does he get it? Yeah, Anthony Edwards, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was obsessed that I had one. Like it was, <laughs> because I couldn't watch any medical program without going, I'm also going to die like that. Oh yeah, I'm going to get a pop. And all they always, people were always popping up blood in ER, like there was like one symptom and there's like a couple of symptoms where they like rub the bottom of someone's foot. Some things will be very useful in my life going forward, having watched it's it. It's one now. of my favorite tropes in films uh, over uh, ever is just the, um, you know, that, that thing of like the coughing up the blood and the handkerchief and you know like, oh, they're gonna yeah. die in four scenes. <laughs> oh, hey, it's, I have been in so many things where that happens. <laughs> and I'm like, they're not. It's like the, it's like the someone's died slide down the wall or door that sort of thing it's a it's a shortcut to, we haven't got time to go into this the audience needs to know die on some sort of illness that involves coughing up blood anyone know what that might be tuberculosis oh, sure no. <laughs> <laughs> he died of consumption all right i know i'm sure i have yeah. to let you go to, to raise your child but last, last thing i promise um i'm just curious <laughs> Um, I'm excited. Did you shoot the film with with directed by Sarah Polly, the great Sarah Polly, and this insane cast? Yeah, the great Sarah Polly. Yeah, she's a very impressive 
woman. She I've, is. I've always admired her, her acting, her directing. Um, mm-hmm. And you're in this with Francis, Francis McDormand, yeah. Rooney. I know. It's the, it's the yeah. Elizabeth Salander support group comes together. Yeah, it is. There we are together forever. Did you talk? Did you did you compare notes? Did you talk at all about that or no? We had to. I mean, we had to talk about it. You had to get it no, out of the, the open. room with the woman. Yeah. yeah. Um, what we said, no one shall ever know. Oh no. Um, but yeah, it was the most extraordinary cast. Oh my god, it was like the most amazing. So hard, like so so hard. Yeah, Jesse Buckley, then we're sure. Some ama- like Jude, Judith Ivy. Um, Sheila McCarthy. This is Michelle, the, did, yeah. did you shoot this in the last year? Did you shoot this? In yeah, the, I just uh, shot it in the summer in Toronto. We just oh. shot it in, in, in Toronto in the summer. Amazing. Um, um, it was extraordinary, yeah. Excellent. Well, I am very much looking forward to that. I'm very much looking forward to yeah. uh, hopefully at some point actually breaking out of our Zoom boxes and seeing each other in person. Um, <gasps> can you imagine? Can we even can imagine? imagine? I just started giving like people like willy nilly giving people cuddles, and I, I know. know that some people it's quite bad. Some people look uncomfortable. And I'm like, I, sorry. Again, to name drop our friend, when I ran into Benedict at this party, he's like, "Are we doing this?" Like, uh, like I'm like, "Bring it in. We need it. I need it. I need me yeah. some Ben hugs." He um, smells really good as well. He's a very clean person, oh, Benedict. Isn't he the best? God. Oh, he smells like freshly laundered. <laughs> He's so crisp and narrow and oh, I know. disgusting. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know what this podcast has turned into. Um, congratulations on the double whammy that is uh, my son and the electrical life of Louis Wayne. Everybody should check Thank it you. out. Um, and uh, this has been a positive delight. I take it back. You're in the top like three don't percentile. Like <laughs> it's fine. I just hope that, that you know, I, I should imagine the top 25% is actually pretty good. No, no, no. I, I, I had to like temper. I didn't want you to think, I didn't want you to know how I really felt about you because then you'd just be scared and run away. Um, okay. It's good to see you, my friend, as you always. You can tell me. <laughs> you can say, no, like, I need it. You can tell me. You can do it. <laughs> and so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 